0: This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now live from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Dave McCann.
1: BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, May 23rd. Do we have... Kenobi and Stranger Things coming out this week. I'm stoked. Thanks for being here. I'm Jerem Jordan. Spencer hey, Linton. Top
2: Gun, too, right?
1: And and top, oh, Maverick. It's yeah, it's like a, the trifecta. Of it's Aircraft. huge. Of course, you'd bring that up. Uh, I know you love your 80s <laughs> movies. Yes, th- thank you. I forgot. Spencer Linton's still recovering from gathering all the red rocks by the bushel full he could get. He's a gatherer. So, he's not a hunter. He's a gatherer. So I'm teamed up with a guy who's uh, always uh, used Monday to recover from a busy weekend Sometimes yourself. Sometimes you have to. Uh, Dave McCann.
2: W- we, had, uh, we had the three baseball games, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and uh, we had all the weather patterns come through. <laughs> all through. And at one point Friday night, I said to Gary in our show, I go, look around. It's pouring rain. It's sunshine. There's wind and there's snow at the top of the mountain falling all at the same time. And the kids from California, from LMU, are just sitting there going, what in the world is going on up here? Greg Grenberg's going, what is this?
1: Yeah, (laughs) Uh, that's May in Utah. Yeah. All Utahns know but forget every year, including myself, that it will snow in May.
2: What we usually do have, though... Every year. We do have a baseball game, at least one, where it's like, oh, it's so hot, you know, everyone's Mm -hmm. got to stay dehydrated. And instead, uh, this year, we had cool
1: games, just about every game. And and some
2: really cold. Yes. It's like, this was a weird weather spring
1: at least the booth is inside now there were games that uh (laughs) back in the day renowned sports psychologist uh now and motivator uh justin sua and i were calling games literally we were outside on the porch in early may and it is snowing and i've got a heater at my feet just (laughs) to survive as legend has
2: it (laughs) uh we were out there one day and i said why aren't we in there and then we went in there, and we. And been that's in there ever why since. you're Dave, and I'm not. <laughs> I just like, why are we freezing out here yeah. when we could be in there? Yes. Anyway, the team's playing good. Off to the tournament, we'll talk about that today, and yeah. we wish them well starting Wednesday.
1: It was baseball. It was St. George Fan Fest. Shout out to everybody in St. Oh, St. Yeah. George showed up. Great. Really cool. Uh, I jokingly called it the pregame show for baseball. So right. we, we appreciated really, that. We didn't really talk about baseball, Saturday. but uh, yeah. too much. But it was fun. It was fun. Okay, let's check out uh, today's headlines.
2: all right in the updated sp plus projections by bill Conley, i've just been thinking about these because they change all the time byu football now projected to finish the season ranked 25th with the 13th best offense and 49th best defense Previously projected 23rd overall, so I'm not sure what happened here in May, but they slipped to 25th.
1: And it doesn't mean 25th in the polls, per se. It's right. this metric. This uh, still means he thinks is gonna be very good. I would think if you're in the top 25, a 10 plus win season is in order, so we'll keep an eye on that. Baseball won two out of three against LMU, got the series, to close out the regular season. 9-3 Friday and then lost, is this right, Dave? 17-7? Yeah. What happened? Well, they got a touchdown and a field goal late. Yeah. Well, that's an issue. Cougars finished the regular season, however, having won eleven of thirteen. Incredible stuff. Are the four seed playing LMu again Wednesday in the West Coast Conference tournament in Stockton, California? Seriously, they BYU had nine pitchers out there. Nine. They're just like we're good. Think we're of the, the think of the broadcasters, Trent Pratt. Don't roll nine guys so, out. That's a lot of talking while nine guys. So come you're out. telling me that. Had they already locked up the foregoing? They'd already locked it up, so it was a throwaway. They mailed it in. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
2: yeah. no starters in that one. Yeah, Elijah Bryant, although guys out of the bullpen could have pitched better and should have. (laughs) Let me just make that note. Now, wait a minute. Elijah Bryant became the first player in history to win both the NBA Finals and the EuroLeague Finals in back-to-back seasons. Whoa! After he and andalou Is it Andalou or Andalou? I have no idea. It's Turkish. Anyway, they beat Real Madrid on Saturday in a nail-biter 58-57. You know what Elijah Bryant does? He just wins world championships.
1: That's incredible. Had Fantastic. eight rebounds in that championship game. Had, uh, I think, 14 points in the semifinal. So first player in basketball history? Unbelievable. Listen, timing.
2: Timing's everything in basketball. Location's everything in rebound.
1: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, some pro football news. In the USFL, that's a thing that exists. It is a thing. Tomasi Lalile had a scoop and score for the Houston Gamblers in their loss yesterday. He had one against Utah State at the end of the half in 2015. You bet he did. He is fast, by the way. I was shocked by the speed. And former offensive lineman Riker Matthews announces his retirement from pro football after seven years in the NFL and CFL, retiring as a member of the BC Lions. There's a history of Cougars with the BC Lions, by the way, which is super fun. You had John Beck and Austin Colley there for a minute. And right now.
2: We wish him the rest of his life, and no one trying to knock him down. You know, no one's no going to be uh, no pushing no, him around. No, no. pushing around. It's not often we talk about Utah High School track and field results on Sports Nation, but we're doing it today. At the State Championships that we're here at BYU over the weekend, three future Cougars won titles in the 100 and 200 meters, showing off their Big 12 speed. Parker Kingston, Won the 6A in 100 meters, 10.53. Cody Hagan took third in the 100 meters with a 10.62, but he won the 200 meters, 20.97. And Marcus McKenzie wins the 4A title in 10.67 in the 100 meters. His his twin brother's already out on his mission. He wanted to stay because his brother kind of beat him and everything, and he wanted to beat his and, record. And then he won stake? He wins stake, but he didn't top oh, the record.
1: That's some real speed. Good job, like, Marcus. Like, that's cooking okay uh that's very exciting we'll talk about that more coming up that's a you you hit him on the fly route and you just let him you just chuck it and here's the thing they have good hands too yeah you know rod wilkerson you were like catch it baby catch it <laughs> uh former worm guy there you go yeah former bYU rugby player Paul Asike scores a try in a utah warriors win in major league rugby saturday beating second place austin gilgronies he's uh you know Gronies, it's a made-up nickname trust me uh, Calvin Whiting, also former Cougar, made multiple conversions in the match. It's so good to see former Cougs doing work in the, in the pros. Okay, all rise and shout. It's time for what's trending.
0: You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation.
1: All right, listen. We love to hype up the Cougs here, you know. It's what we do. It's what we do. We get excited, but so legitimately, it's usually based in fact. Traditionally and massaged. Yes, and and listen, if it's not, I will say so. Okay. Right. Gosh, BYU's going to be good this year. It's going to be fun. Is it 12-0 good? I don't know. Uh, but with a lot of production coming back, in, including the second most in the country, which is incredible. I had the, the least last year, by the way. Still won 10 games. Pretty good. Right. So um, we've been talking about expectations, and we have uh, SP+, Plus and preseason polls, and way too early spring, whatever. So, Dave, is nine wins the minimum bar for BYU this year for success, 2022?
2: I think, let's say yes it is, because this year really is the springboard into the Big 12. And so it's, uh, if, you, if, you, if you slip on the springboard and fall over, then you've got to get back up. And, and I think what Cougar fans want to see is BYU launching into the Big 12, and that, that requires a good season this fall. They should have a good season if they stay healthy. And if they do stay healthy, nine wins, I think ten wins we talked about before, I think ten wins is very likely. But if you say nine wins which is still a good year against this schedule, then you got to pick three teams that you're going to lose to. Can you come up with three teams that you're going, you know what, they can't win those games?
1: Yes. Last year we would not have picked Boise State and especially not UAB, not knowing the bowl opponent, of course, yeah. but we would not have picked those. We also didn't think BYU was going to go 6-1 and one against the seven Power Fives. That was the greatest season against Power Fives we've ever seen from BYU. In any year, obviously in Independence, you play more than kind of the two or the three.
2: So pick three in that group that would give
1: us uh, no more than nine wins. If I had to pick one, Notre Dame feels like the most likely loss on the schedule. Okay. But then you look at, ba- at Oregon. Baylor comes in as the Big 12 champs. I don't think they will be as good as they were last year. right? They, they lost quarterback, running back, top two receivers, top two safeties. Okay? Right. That's a lot to ask. Arkansas is going to be a tougher game than I think people think. That's a preseason top 25 team as of now. Extremely physical, big run game, quality defense. That's going to be tough. So those are some of the games that stick out. Stanford, I don't think it's going to be a huge challenge, although it's power five on the road to end of the year. How motivated is BYU at that point if things didn't go well? But we think they're going to go well. I I agree with you. I think nine is the minimum. I I think that this team can get as high as 10 or 11 uh, in the end, which is incredible. I think eight would be a little bit of a disappointment because – You've got super senior quarterback now, a guy who's been in the program for five years, Jaron Hall, which by the way, all of these numbers we talk about for BYU is contingent upon the health of Jaron Hall. Yeah. If Jaron Hall is not healthy, it changes everything. Because Jacob Conover is still a young dude when it comes to FBS foot. He's played a half. And Baylor Romney's not sitting there this time. Okay? And that
2: applies to every team. I mean, when sure. the Cowboys lost Dak sure. Prescott, they were terrible. You know, every yes. team's got their The Buccaneers need Tom Brady to be Tom Brady, Yes. and at BYU, the starting quarterback has got to stay healthy, and as you look back at the really good seasons, the same guy was playing the whole season, and uh, Zach Wilson played the whole season, went number two in the draft. That's got to happen for Jaron Hall.
1: Yes, absolutely, and the fact that this O-line is stacked is super exciting. We're pretty confident... For um, let me let me counter this just for the sake of conversation. We're pretty confident in a team that just lost a UAB in a bowl game and lost Tyler Algier. Yeah. But we feel like UAB was an anomaly injured. Also, it makes me laugh every time someone tweeted at some BYU fans and this got out after the bowl game. <laughs> you guys are about to be Power Five when you lose a bowl game to a G5. You just say you weren't motivated. That's the <laughs> world you can live in now. And I thought we can actually say that. That's pretty cool. And, and the fact that Christopher Brooks is a quality dude that we think can be kind of a 1,000 to 1,200, maybe more kind of guy, not expecting 23 touchdowns and 1,600 yards. If you put Luke Staley healthy back there, though, I would expect like 2,000. Right. Uh, it would be an unbelievable year. And you have Puka Nuku and Gunnar Romney. With some good young studs, Keanu Hill and Chase Roberts and Cody Epps, not to mention defensively. as we g- Great conversation, by the way, with Peyton Wilger on Saturday. If you haven't seen it, check it out. He had both labrums fixed and said that they were kind of slipping in and out quite a bit while he played. I mean, unbelievable the pain he was going through. He's back. Keenan Peely's back. Loaded secondary. D-line, we hope, can get some pressure without a blitz. This this is awesome, man. BYU has never been more prepared than this for this kind of schedule either. Not to mention the sort of Big Twelve engagement confidence that I think BYU is still riding, Dave.
2: And if you take the blue loud goggles off um, for just a moment, wait, why? Just I'm just saying, if you did, because a lot of <laughs> a lot of people have this show on it with a blue filter. Absolutely. I'm just saying, if you just take those off for a minute and you look at back when BYU's been really really good, they have been solid in the trench mm-hmm. and and. And it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, running back is, receivers. I mean, it does, but but if you can't block for them or protect, it, then it ha, then it's been a long struggling season or a season of highs one Saturday and lows the next Saturday. But in the trench for BYU this year, when they when they look at the offensive line, that are now ten, maybe eleven deep, many with starting experience, um, big, stronger, faster. Yep. The offensive line is set for a successful season no matter who's behind them. Mm-hmm. They're even greater if Jaron Hall's behind them. The defensive line, Elisa Tuiaki, has told us they're going to be better. They're going to kind of be the secret of the season. They're going to be the surprise of the season. He thinks they'll be better than they've been. Good. So if you're solid on both trenches, then you're poised to have double digit wins. Yep. That's how you do it. Yep. And when we have not, or any team that hasn't, there's usually – Peaks and valleys with a few more valleys. Uh, and, and for BYU, some of those valleys have come against their rivals uh, or, or big P5 matchups. Uh, last year, BYU dominated the line of scrimmage in, in all of their games, but Baylor they even dominated the line of scrimmage at UAB. I mean, Tyler Algier ran for hundred what ninety yards or something like that. 100, mi- 100
1: million yards. 100
2: yeah. million. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just think why are we so optimistic? Because just look at that offensive line. And look at the defensive group. And look at Peely and Wilgar coming back from injury. I mean, we forget, against Arizona, Wilgar or uh, Peely had 17 tackles. 17 tackles for our, our middle linebacker. And then he was gone a game and a half later and didn't come back. Well, now he is coming back. He's coming back with the desire to get a job. So that's just a piece. And not at
1: Qualtrics quite yet. <laughs> not not uh, yet. In the NFL. That's
2: just a piece that, that BYU didn't have during its big run. Yep. Uh, And so that's where the optimism is, the offensive line, the defensive line, and then you just plug in the guys and
1: go. Let me tell you a piece that happened last year that we can't assume necessarily will happen again. It takes great effort to do this. Jaron Hall took care of the ball extremely well. That helped BYU win a lot of games with a good rushing game that maybe you don't always. He only had five picks on 296 attempts. That's an unbelievable number. And BYU is not one of those teams who just checks it down a lot. They throw it deep like this to Keebo, Keanu Hill. Okay, He also fumbled and lo- he lost a fumble once. Okay, And one of those picks, by the way, was against Arizona State. He hustles down. Tyler Algier punches out. He gets it back. The fact that Jaron Hall took care of the ball in that way allowed BYU to have an opportunity to go 6-1 against the P5s. He needs to do that again. If if he is if he is uh, significantly worse in that category, you d- you're not going to be a nine and four plus kind of team. So the good news is Aaron Roderick and and I distinctly remember in our preparation with him in the room, Dave uh, with Blaine and 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 me in there too, talking to Aaron Roderick and he goes, Jaron Hall takes care of the ball. Yeah, he's just such a veteran quarterback in that way. And Jaron wants to go out on a high too. He has eligibility for 2023. But he's been in the program for a long time. Don't forget that that stinging loss at Boise State in 2018. Jaron Hall's in the game in inside the goal, you know, the red zone. He's running uh, sometimes. He's been around a long time. He's married. He's got a kid. This is probably his last hurrah. He wants to go out on a high, too. If it goes and he, could. he
2: hopes, it, it should be. Yes. Yeah.
1: And and that'll be the case for a lot of guys. Like Puka Nakua will have another year. If he has a great year this year, homie should bounce. Just get out of here. We know some fifth-year guys like Gunnar Romney and, and uh, Peyton Wilgar and others are, are in there last year. But this, this is a special group that, and we we're talking about it on Saturday, dude. 2019, there's young pups. They beat USC and Tennessee, and we're like, wow. Uh, seven and six, but they built to what we've seen in the last two years, and now they're ready to keep that going. And a credit to Roderick's offense, that the offense is generated
2: to taking care of the ball. I think Zach had three picks. Yes. And then and then Jaron had five. That's eight. That's crazy. In 26 games, 25 games, that that's got to be the fewest in the country for a program. So back-to-back years for a team that throws it as much as they do. Yes. Uh, And and so it's it's the player, but it's also the system, and the system is built to win. And the system is built to win a bunch of games this fall. Nine, ten, maybe more if they stay healthy. That's what it's built to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's go. Okay, our question of the day is this. Is nine wins the minimum bar for success in 2022? Let's hear from you and Voice of the Nation.
0: This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Tyson Peterson, I see eight of these games as
1: must wins. So if that ninth game's Oregon, Notre Dame, or Baylor, I would consider that successful. Yeah, another point I want to make is no one really cares about a single-digit win season. But but we'll go – if BYU goes 9-4, we'll go, hey, that was, that was a good year. But I mean nationally. Yeah. Like if you win ten, if BYU wins 10-plus, you're in the top 25 for sure to end the season. Nine depends on kind of how you finished, how hot are you right now. Uh, Todd Knapp on Facebook. Yeah, that's a 750 winning percentage. That's a C grade using a 4.0 scale. In my opinion, that's a quality minimum standard for 12 games. And I kind of, yeah. And are we saying in the regular season or bowl game, I kind of included a bowl game in my mind, like when the dust settles, although we don't know the opponent in the bowl game, so sometimes it's hard to, like, project what's going to happen there. But uh, we hope BYU wins that bowl game. Hey, be healthy, win. Yes. Be healthy, win. All of that, yes. And uh, that's the case for all of you at home as well. Continue to weigh in on Twitter, (laughs) Facebook, and Instagram. Coming up, a BYU recruit putting his hair on the line if Mark Pope grows his he can grow it like he chooses to shave it so this is this is good we got a fun photoshop coming up (laughs) and nicole auerbach from the athletic joins us where does the college football nli debate end and what does she see for byu in 2022 this is byu sports nation
0: this portion of byu sports nation is presented by byu food to go the mvp of your next event BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
2: After taking two of three from LMU over the weekend, the Cougars faced the Lions again in the WCC tournament on Wednesday night. Listen to the game at 10 Eastern on BYU Radio with Jason Shepard.
1: Those black uniforms looked great on senior day. Fantastic. I wish they had generated more runs. They gave up a lot of runs. They did give up a (laughs) lot of runs. (laughs) Yeah. Entertaining game that uh, you called. We're in Studio B, Jerem Jordan alongside Dave McCann. Now joining us is one of the best writers in America from The Athletic. Nicole Auerbach joins the program and is back on BYU Sports Nation for a second time. Nicole, thanks for joining the program.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: It's May, and we've got a lot to talk about. Typically, it's like a slow time of year, feels like. Maybe it's not for you. You're writing about all the offseason stuff, but gosh, we've got a lot to discuss. So let's start with name, image, and likeness. At some point... Do you feel like there will be federal regulation regarding this or is it going to be somewhat chaotic and we'll have more feuds between head coaches? Because my gosh, that's been awesome.
3: Yeah, that was definitely a news cycle I did not anticipate. (laughs) But the the question of of federal legislation is an interesting one. I, I think that there was a lot more pressure this time last year as we were getting closer and closer to that July 1st deadline to get something done from a legislative standpoint. I think right now, we're kind of already existing in the world. Everything is still going. People still watched college sports all fall and winter. Um, so I don't know if the urgency is still there when Congress has so much else that they need to focus on. But then at the same point, you have midterms coming up, and I think that there's different lines of thinking around that. Well, if the Republicans retake, you know, Congress, is, there, are, is are they more likely to pass an NIL-specific law? Meanwhile, more on the Democratic side, they're more interested in adding uh, more packages around it, right? Like you know, healthcare guaranteed for the rest of an athlete's career, and a number of other areas. So I think that's part of the issue: is is how narrow, how broad can it be? How important is it for um, for these senators and 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 and, re- and representatives to do? And then also just again, like it's it's very politically popular and it's united a lot of people to come up against the NCAA. But if the world is already there and if this, this deregulation is already here and more and more rules are going to be deregulated because, you know, the Alston ruling, the Supreme Court case last year and just the need to deregulate more things, should people just get comfortable living in a messier world? It's, it's not going to have a million rules that tell people what they can and can't do. This is what it's going to be, where it's going to be more up to schools, going to be more up to individual states. So I kind of think that that's more where people need to be thinking about living and then see what comes with, with federal legislation, what, antitrust exemptions if they're possible and, and all of that. But I think right now people just need to get used to living in a space where people are operating by different rules. You're not sure if the NCAA is going to investigate anything. And you're just kind of you know uh, in this space where things that you thought were against the rules and horrible for so long are now allowed. And that's why you have coaches arguing and sniping at each other because they want – to be seen as doing things the right way. And for so long, they were told that this was something that you can't do. And this is something that, you know, the bad coaches do, the ones who don't do it the right way. So that's part of the process too. I think unwiring people's brains about allowing this to happen and the enterprise to continue onward.
2: Well, I think we learned that uh, Jerry Tarkanian of the Running Rebels was not a bad coach. He was just ahead of the game in, in how to get these guys together. And when you see Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher go at each other last week, now we enter a new week. As I listen to those two guys go back and forth, to me it revealed that this problem is bigger than most people think if those two programs are arguing over which one has the advantage over the other when the rest of the programs down in the lower tier are just fighting to get good athletes.
3: I think it says quite a bit about those two coaches, and these are programs that always recruit at a really high level. You know, someone someone put it to me this way last week, and I've kind of been stealing it, is, you know, Nick Saban – whenever he talks about being concerned about parity in the sport, you know, that tends to happen when Alabama doesn't like completely dominate whatever the system is and and all of the different um, things that have changed in a sport. If if he's not easily comfortable with where his recruiting is, his program is, the state of his program and into the future, then he talks about concerns about parity. And so I think it's not necessarily that they were the number two recruiting class behind A and M, but it's just about this moving forward because Alabama thinks that they're doing it the actual right way. They're waiting until these athletes get on campus for their NIL deals, and that is the way that the NCAA rules are written. And they see and they feel that they're recruiting inducements out there that there are deals essentially contingent on going to a certain school. And this is part of what the NCAA is attempting to crack down on or at least clarify. Because if collectives are boosters, then they uh, you have to adhere to all the same rules as, as boosters did, which is you can't contact recruits. So that's where a lot of this tension is and where people are saying that others are cutting corners or getting an unfair advantage is the money people talking to recruits before they get to campus. The idea, again, is that you're an established college player. Um, And you're marketable and then you have a deal, but you're already enrolled in school. So that's the crux of what Saban is upset about, because I think he does worry that if they are doing what they're supposed to by the letter of the law, but other people are offering deals to recruits, meeting with recruits, that that will impact their future recruiting. And he likes to have the advantage in all situations. Now, again, I think. We can debate about, you know, the the maturity shown for Jimbo Fisher in calling a press conference and responding that way. But I think the, the overall premise is, again, it's like these coaches want to be known as great coaches. They want to be known as great recruiters. And now you have something – that was or wasn't a part of what makes you a great recruiter under the table now above board and you know I I think they take a lot of exception to the idea that now relationships recruiting and those things don't matter and it's just going to be the highest dollar figure wins these players plus these, these guys want control they want more control over the roster over the recruiting process all that stuff gets affected by the current system and collectives but you're right I mean this is for a certain level of of athlete. like These are classes we're talking about that are already in the top eight or nine every single year. That's very different than more middle-of-the-road programs coming up and recruiting against the same challenges that they always have. But that's when people talk about the rich getting richer in this system and the gap widening. That's what it is because, of course, Alabama and Texas A&M are still going to get good players. They were getting them five years ago. They were getting them as soon as they invested in their resources and their coaches. So it exacerbates that to an extent, but it's not necessarily changing or maybe not changing the same way in the middle of the pack. I will say Tennessee getting a five-star player, A&M actually getting the number one class, like stuff like that is a slight sign of parity up at the top. But again, the middle, how, how much is that going to change? We're, we're going to have to see. I mean, I think it's, it's awesome that athletes on these campuses are getting opportunities to cash in in maybe their most marketable times of their lives but, again, from that like, recruiting piece or like, you know, campaigning, changing of a competitive balance, I don't know if we're going to see that at as many places as we like to talk about.
1: Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic is on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk about the newness of the NCAA saying, we're not going to tell you you have to have divisions, right? Essentially, you figure out who you want to put in your title game, okay? So now conferences are going do we even need divisions? Do you think anybody's going to have a division? And now we're hearing reports that even perhaps the Big Ten is is going to reshuffle, uh, you know, scheduling the next couple of years. If there's no divisions, Nicole, so that's the first question. Will there be divisions in the next couple of years? How does that affect scheduling? How does that change college football?
3: Well, I, I think, you know, as of right now, we've, we've gotten that news out of the Pac-12 and the Mountain West. They were clearly ready to make that decision. Um, you know, my colleague Chris Vanini checked in with all the group of five leagues. And um at least, you know, the Sun Belt was one that was um gonna stay with divisions, at least for the short term. Like there were there were some reasons, right? The regional rivalries, the way that you schedule saving money, like all the reasons that ex- divisions exist um are still factors in some of these conferences. So I do think we will see them in some. Um, you know, I don't think the Big Ten has has voted against this yet. Obviously the Pac-12 had already done this and was ready to go. Um, So I could see the process being different in some of the other leagues just based on, again, tradition, schedules being set, balance, perceived balance. Um, I I think that, you know, this may not be an overnight switch for everyone. I think, you know, like what the Pac-12 did, which is, hey, we're going to determine our champion differently, but we're already stuck in our schedule for this year. So we're going to go by conference win percentage, even though we don't have the scheduling model that we eventually will, I think is a smart way to do it. Um, we know the ACC is mulling different scheduling formats. This this comes at a good time for the Big Twelve as they have to figure out what their schedule is going to look like and with incoming and outgoing members. So I do I do hope that most of these leagues get rid of divisions. I think the idea of playing two best teams in a conference championship game is the best case scenario. I think it positions you best for the college football playoff, no matter what size it is. I think it's great for fans. I think it's great for TV. And I've been pushing for it for a while. I think a lot of us have, especially with so many conferences that have really imbalanced divisions um, that just don't make for an exciting championship game. So I think it's great. I hope we see it all over. But I do think, you know, there's at least a couple of leagues that may stick with divisions from a regional standpoint. I just think in general, it's going to help. Um, Again, I think the playoff implication is pretty obvious. If you have your best team, play your second best team, it's a chance for another resume boosting win, if there's an upset and the second place team wins, they would have a big win. They would have a chance to make the playoff. In an expanded playoff, you could probably get both your teams in if you're the Big Ten, SEC, whoever it might be, maybe the Big Twelve. So I think all of that stuff is really important. And um, I, I'm glad it. I'm glad we got here. It, it was. It was. It kind of snuck through and snuck up on people. And it was even labeled non-controversial legislation. That's how popular it was. To get this rule change passed.
2: Well, Nicole, BYU remains in the independent division for one more season, and then into the Big 12. What do you expect from the Cougars this fall, and and then marching into uh, the Big 12 as a P5 for the first time?
3: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. I think when you're in a transitional period, you're kind of stuck between the present and the future. And you know, I was I was at BYU back in. Uh, February I stopped by and visited Jared Hall and a couple of guys and it, it definitely is a thing right I mean because I think joining the Big 12 happened and it was such an excitement and celebration but it was also in season and the news came down on a Friday like you could kind of separate it out and you could think about it you know big picture but now it's going to become more of a reality. And, and a lot of the things that they go through this season will be like, the, it's the last independent schedule. It's the last time you might play certain people or go through certain things. Um, and so I think there's going to be, you know, kind of markers on that. You kind of live a little bit, even in the past, present and future, but I think there's a lot of excitement. And, and certainly with athletic director, Tom Homo, you know, making sure that the facilities and everything from a competitive standpoint, so that they're ready to, go day one and compete in all the sports and and be ready for there from a football standpoint as well. Um, I I think all of that's really important and it it gives you with that, with that light at the end of the tunnel being so close, I think it really adds something there. Um, But I'm sure there's a lot of fans who are, you know, a little bit struggling with the fact that they probably loved playing an independent schedule and playing teams all over the country. I think it was great for the BYU brand to get out there for, uh, you know, fans who live all over the country. So, trying to balance keeping some of that with the part of the schedule you can control, but also the, the real excitement of getting to a power five league after so long of trying to do just that um, I think is, is incredibly exciting, but I, it's, I just feel like you, you probably feel like you're living in two different worlds and in the world of independence. And then also in the world of big 12, you know, I saw Tom at spring meetings. It was the first time the new members were able to go to the big 12 meetings in, in um, Scottsdale a couple weeks ago. And so a lot of that is starting to become real. But again, I think you're still also trying to honor um, all that was special about being an independent and and not rush through this season and still savor things. But I can imagine that um, it it can be challenging on a day-to-day basis mentally, just thinking about like existing where your feet are, but then also being like at this time next year, we'll be in the big 12. We'll be playing this team, you know, it'll just be a totally different process.
1: Independence has been fun, but honestly, we're ready. We're ready for the Big 12. We've been hoping for a P5 for a long time, but this year's schedule is going to be fun with uh, the likes of Baylor and Oregon and Notre Dame and Arkansas and Stanford and Boise State. So it'll it'll be good. Nicole, we appreciate the time. Thanks for your insight, and uh, we'll continue to read your stuff on The Athletic.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Nicole, we're back on BYU Sports Nation. Great insight into what's going on. Hey, normally May is like, take it easy. No, there's a ton going on right now. And we, I, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, the whole division thing in the Big 12, uh, we've kind of been thinking, oh, what division are we going to get? Right. I don't, we may not ever get there. Now, I don't may not think be it's
2: there. a bad thing because uh, you just have to be the second best team to have a shot at getting to the biggest bowls.
1: I do think it's kind of a bad thing. Do you? Because if you were in – it may have been an easier path if you were in the weaker division, right? right? Like Wisconsin and Iowa have been like, you know what's been awesome? To not have to play Ohio State exactly. and Michigan, and Michigan State a lot. Yeah. So, in the end, uh, you just got to win, though. You just got to show up. You got to be in the top two, and then you got a shot. So there we go. And maybe you get some better matchups along the way. Perhaps.
2: Uh, we'll no one won the Big Ten wants to play Rutgers. Or, <laughs> or maybe they want to play Rutgers week. <laughs> or maybe they do. Yeah, in Maryland. Yeah, exactly. Coming up, Heather Olmsted joins us to talk about her upcoming summer coaching with Team USA. And the
1: Colin Chandler Mark Pope hair swap you never knew you needed. <laughs> That's coming
0: up. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Marisk. Enabling global trade for a growing world.
1: In 100-ish days, we're going to be out at Cougar Canyon, Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Cannot wait. It's going to be fun. He is Dave. I am Jeremy. This is BYU Sports Nation on May 23rd. Great to have you. Don't forget to follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Friendster, MySpace, whatever you have. Chances are we're probably there. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round is presented by Marisk for integrated... Container Logistics Company, enabling global trade for a growing world. As we mentioned a moment ago, Parker Kingston and Cody Hagan
2: finished 1-2 and in the 6A 100-meter finals over the weekend. Hagan went on to win the 200. Marcus McKenzie wins the 4A 100-meter title. Will this trio of BYU commits be the fastest group of receivers in school history?
1: I think the combination of those three with some else, uh, some other players down the line, perhaps. Because, Dave, we're talking about 10-7 and under. I mean, this is some real speed, and it's not just speed. It's skill as well. I'm very excited. Now, will these guys be as fast, uh, you know, right after the mission? They might need a year. So we're going to give them three years, and then in 2025, we're going to be like, okay, the speed guys are back. That's Big 12 speed right there. 2025,
2: that would be, uh, what, year number two or three of the Big 12? Three. Okay, yeah. all right. What do you think? I think that uh, it's it's speed that BYU has had in splashes here, there. Hey, this guy's really fast. This is a wave of speed. Love it. It'll be great. Pro Football Focus ranks Fred Warner as the best linebacker in the NFL since 2020. Where does Fred rank right now on the list of all-time
1: Cougar NFLers. Steve Young's clearly number one only pro pro football Hall of Famer. I go Todd Christensen number two because he had two all pro first team selections and multiple Pro Bowls. Okay, Then I go Bart Oates with five Pro Bowls and then the conversation starts. I think Fred Warner's top five. I have to figure out if he's four or five because he was first team all pro one year. Only four BYU Cougars have ever been first team all pro from the AP. That means you were the best or the second best at your position. Chad Lewis, Fai Kirk Gavea, Jim McMahon, all in the mix. A lot of great plays, but Brett's top five. He's been an elite middle linebacker. <laughs> and win some
2: Super Bowls, and then you really climb that list. It certainly he's helps. He's young,
1: and he's just getting good. Yeah, hopefully the Niners never win one again as a Seahawks fan. <laughs> but, yes, yeah. I
2: understand. But that's going to need to have to happen. <laughs> Big Game Boomer has BYU as the third best G5 team entering the 2022 season.
1: <sighs> you got an issue with that ranking? Yeah, BYU's not a group of five. They're an independent. BYU's not Power Five. BYU's not group five. They're independent. I don't want to be on a list with Northern Illinois or UAB, (laughs) both of which who have wins in the last five years against BYU, sadly.
2: All I see is when I look at their top 20, I look at the first five teams, and four of them are Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and
1: UCF, all heading to the Big 12. What's up, brethren? That's what I see when I see that graphic, too. Okay, Colin Chandler tweeted the following. I'll shave my head for two years straight in West Africa. If someone can get... Mark Pope to grow his out while I'm gone. Let me know if Cougar Nation is in on that. What would look better, Colin Chandler with no hair or Mark Pope with hair? And now we have a photo of what this would look like. Viewer discretion advised. <laughs> the podcast is like, we can't see it. We'll tweet it out. Yeah, yeah. That, I, that's uh,
2: That's a new look for Coach Pope. It's very curly.
1: I don't think his would be that
2: curly. I think Colin's got some wiggle room with however he wants to go. But I I think Mark might be limited, you know, on on the options that he has. You know what I love about this tweet? What I love about this tweet is the relationship between these two. And when Chris Burgess left for Utah a couple of weeks ago and players left and and we're so quick to yell, the sky is falling sometimes as a as a fan base. It's like, oh, Chandler's going to leave, too, when he comes home from his mission. Chandler has a relationship with Mark Pope. That's going to continue, continue on. He's going to be a big player at BYU. And I like to see
1: little things like that. Mark Pope chooses to shave his head. Now, when I shaved my head back in 2015, when I said, if BYU won that guy, I got There was a choice. I, it was a choice I made. And the choice yours is yours at Rama. I realized that I, my mornings were expedited in a way that I <laughs> couldn't have possibly imagine. And it's like when you get a motorcycle, you notice all the other motorcycles. I noticed all the people who had shaved or bald heads. And I was yeah. like, there are a lot of us. So shout out to all the homes, you know, it's all good.
2: It's a growing community.
1: Coming up, rise well, and shout to a strong finish. <laughs> and Heather Olmstead, women's volleyball head coach, tells us about coaching with the USA, the awesome recruiting class she's got going. She's in studio next. This is BYU Sports Nation.
0: BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports
2: Nation has its own YouTube channel. You get all the interviews and subscribe to it and share it. The BYU Sports Nation YouTube channel.
1: Smash Just that right subscribe button, as the kids say. Let's go. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Great to have you with us. Jeremy Jordan, Dave McCann, and the winningest coach by percentage in college volleyball in the country, Heather Olmstead, is in studio with us. Ahead of the U21 USA National Team Assistant Coaching gig. You got in Louisiana, Mexico coming up. Great to have you back in the studio. Thanks
4: for having me. I Appreciate it.
1: You, this is like a thing you do. You're, a, you're in the USA coaching pool, which is super fun. Obviously, Karch Karai is the senior national team coach, and Gold Medal. That's awesome. U21. So, is there a U23 team, or is this essentially like the the B team preparing to try and get on the senior? Yeah, team?
4: this is an extension of of the national team. It's the uh, under 21 group that is definitely in the pipeline for the senior women's national team. What's cool about this opportunity, and I'm blessed and and lucky to be a part of it, that I get to learn from Karch and his staff. The cool thing is is that we are gonna be in Louisiana alongside the VNL where the senior women's team is gonna be competing next week. So that's a huge opportunity for our coaching staff. I get the opportunity to learn from great coaches within our own coaching staff, but you get to watch the senior women's national team. We're going to watch some matches against Brazil and Canada and Dominican. Yeah. Huge opportunity for the girls on our team.
2: What kind of things do you pick up as a coach? Because you're very successful. At being a coach, do you come back going, hey, there's a couple things I never thought of?
4: Absolutely, yeah. If, if I'm not going to learn and to get better and to bring things back to BYU, I'm not doing my job. So looking for things within our staff, like I mentioned, I get to work with Dan Fisher, who I've worked with before, John Newman, uh, and just a wonderful staff all, all the way around. And the players, the things you can learn from the players by listening and by observing, it's it's hopefully going to make me a better coach here at BYU to bring back for our team for this fall.
1: Is it fun or awkward uh, with Dan? Because at Pitt, obviously, this is a team that, you know, won a couple times. Or are you like, I don't want to hear it, Dan.
4: Um, you know, it's interesting because uh, we'll be seeing him again this fall, possibly. So oh, okay. We, now, I see what you did there. A Maybe a little time. provo visit. We've okay. been spending a lot of time together. So we, like we have a great relationship. I'm grateful for the opportunity to work with, with this staff and, again, Karch's staff. And it'll be fun.
1: Now, what I love about volleyball is that everyone's just chill. Okay, it's more chill. You don't have Nick Saban and uh, Jimbo Fisher situations here. Like, you could be like, I don't want to deal with Pitt. You guys, uh,
4: Maybe we should create something on the road. And yes, you're totally drama. that type of thing.
1: Per- no, okay. you're like the exact opposite, which is funny. Um, I want to talk about Karch for a sec. Obviously, there's history there with your dad, Rick, coaching him in high school to a championship. Sean talks about this amazing photo where he's got, he's being held by a baby. Where, where are you in this moment?
4: Um, as far as my relationship from the, with
1: from Karch, the, like the high school situation oh, at that time. I wasn't born. You weren't even born yeah, yet. Thank you. So showed me feel
4: young. <laughs> yes, I was I know. not born. You weren't even born yet. No, I was not. Yeah. But I remember growing up and going to A V P events and, and and actually Karch calling our house quite a bit and being like, Hey dad, Karch is calling you like just idolizing him, to going to watching him play professionally to these gold medals, to being the national team coach, to learning from him and having him be a mentor of mine. I mean, it's, it's been an incredible journey for me to, to be around Karch. He's such a, a, an amazing leader, what he's doing with the national team. I mean, gold medal last summer, incredible. It was awesome.
2: We're in this wave on campus the last few years of dominant sports. And a lot of these players are going to the national stage, we're seeing it in soccer and seeing it in volleyball, uh, of making a name for themselves at the next level and and kind of bringing BYU's reputation with them.
4: Yeah, it's exciting. We've got two of those players this summer in Aaron Livingston and Heather Knighting that are going to go play on the collegiate national team. That's another cool opportunity for them because – the national team will be in Anaheim training in June, uh, I think back from the VNL or a break between, and they'll be able to, to see the national team train and get to train a week there. And so, yeah, w- we want to do everything we can to help the, the players that come into our program get better and achieve their goals and dreams. And if USA is one of them, we're right there with them, supporting them, and we want to get them out there.
1: Absolutely, and they're two of uh, you know your your talented team that you're bringing back, which we're excited about. It was such a fun season last year, uh, and then you bring in five newcomers, uh, you know Hannah Billiter, Eden Bauer, Briley Decker, Natalie Moravec, and Kate Pryor, who are all in the top 150, which is exciting. You you continue to recruit at a high level.
4: Yeah, we're excited about the 22 class. We had three of them here in the winter, so that was cool to get a train with them and get them in the gym and and bring them up to speed. And then we have two transfers as well Kelsey Knudsen and. Um, Abby Olson, who will be joining us this fall, so really seven seven newcomers. I think a lot of new faces for the fans that they can get excited about.
1: And Kelsey's from uh, St. Mary's, yep. was that right? And then uh, where's Abby, Abby played from?
4: at Wyoming and just got married. Congrats. In Wyoming, okay, to very Teon nice. Last week, Saturday.
1: Oh, to Tion Taylor. Yeah. Oh, of the men's volleyball. Yeah, very nice.
4: That's so. exciting.
2: This is an interesting time for Gordon Eakin, the softball coach, having been left out of the NCAA tournament after being so good, a a program record number of wins. Um, But the strength of the WCC didn't give him any help uh, in in getting into the tournament. You've been a victim of the WCC as well as being a dominant team, a national team, and get seated 11th or or just not where where you want to be. It's your last year in the WCC, and then you go to the Big 12. Are you looking forward to that? switch, because obviously the competition's greater in the Big 12, and and how do you find the balance of being the big fish over here, being a more competitive fish over here, and having it benefit in the postseason seedings?
4: Yeah, we're super excited about our last season in the West Coast Conference. We we love the conference. We love the coaches, the camaraderie, the players that we play against. It's the road just, trips. The road trips, the weather, everything's just been such a, a joy <laughs> for us. We love the West Coast Conference, and so we're looking forward to Going out with a bang. We want this this group to to understand that this is it for the West Coast Conference, and let's let's go out being remembered for uh, hopefully something really good and special. How good can this group be? And so let's let's go out with a bang. But we also have control over um, those things and, and how we schedule. And so this little little teaser for our non-conference schedule we're going to release pretty quickly.
1: That's it's twice now, and uh, you're getting me real excited because <laughs> this morning funny. I was going, hey. I want a volleyball schedule. I want a soccer schedule. It's coming so soon. at least put in yeah. some of the Big 12. Okay, um, obviously the Big 12, Texas is the, the big fish. And David Hunt from the men's volleyball team with Pepperdine is now the associate head coach. So I was texting with him, and I was like, hey, at least we'll still be hanging out, uh, at least for two years, right? What, what is w- – without looking too far ahead because you want to win the WCC and win the national championship – how, how does uh, knowing you're going to be in the Big 12 affect anything at all with you, whether it be recruiting or mm-hmm. vision of the program or whatever?
4: Yeah, absolutely. We we talk about it constantly. Our administration uh, meets with us, talks about it. We're having conversations as a staff and as a team. Not so much the team focused on it because we're focused right. on the West Coast Conference this year, but for sure all our 23 recruits and, and older, all it is is about the Big 12 and the opportunities that they're going to get to play. So we're we're having those conversations. We're basically doing an overhaul of our program. Where are we? Where have we been? Where do we want to go? How are we going to get there? And what does that look like financially, recruiting, staffing, anything and everything is being talked about. And we want to make some serious upgrades so we can go into the Big 12 ready to go and ready to compete.
1: Mm, I look forward to whatever that means because it feels like things are going really well. So I'm not <laughs> – yeah. the, the, the like, upgrade. I'm like, change? what upgrades? Because <laughs> um, you have new offices. You know, yeah, the whole deal. Uh, that's great uh, because if you're Sweet 16 and, and we can do better, well, let's go, man. Let's go. Well, have fun in Louisiana. Have fun in Mexico. Well, fun's an interesting word. You're going to be very busy, but enjoy uh, great weather. Thank you. I suppose I'm looking forward yeah. to it. I appreciate it. It'll be just around the corner. You're back, back in action yep. in August. A couple yep. of months. Let's go. Okay.
2: Thanks, Heather. All right. Coming up uh, is nine wins the minimum for BYU football in in your option. Do you think nine wins is the minimum? You'd- Thinking
1: about that? Nine's li- you can text like, Kalani later. Others like, we want nine wins in August. <laughs> and Ryzen, shout out to fans showing up and showing out. This is BYU Sports Nation.
0: This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics.
1: BYU Sports Nation is always available on demand via the free BYU TV and BYU Radio app. Or download the
2: podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Look at all those good times in St. George on Saturday. You guys were
1: rock stars. Excellent weather. It was great. I felt bad. We had to, we had to bounce about half an hour after because Spence had a dance recital he had to get to, and I had a rugby game I was calling. We were out of there quick. Normally we love to stay there. Correction on something I said in the last segment. I said the BYU lost to Pitt twice last year. It was just once. The second game was at Pitt against Purdue. Had they beat Purdue, they would have had a shot at Pitt. Right. In yes. The, the next it round, would have been Pitt on that round. floor. Yes. We're looking exactly. forward
2: to a rematch, and then Purdue got him.
1: Well, and, and Heather basically told us Pitt's returning the game this year, which yeah. is tremendous. So huge for the and, Smithfield. Uh, house. They should have a great schedule. They they're, they're going to challenge themselves. Looking forward to when that uh, becomes public. Or I could just show you on the paper right now. No, <laughs> I'm going to cover that up. Okay. Our question of the day is: Nine wins the minimum bar for success for BYU in 2022. Heather Olmsted's still figuring that out. We yeah. think BYU's both going 12 and 0. Not just kidding. At Cougar Stats on Twitter. ESPN FPI projects seven wins in 2022. Some two early polls, while BYU facing four ranked teams and two others who will at least flirt with being ranked. That sounds like a recipe for a lot of close games, a lot of volatility in the number of wins as a result. Now, that's something we haven't talked about. I love hearing all points of the conversation here. Is uh, in a lot of these sort of 50 50 games, Dave, if BYU isn't on the high side of sort of these pick ems, these, uh, you know, then you're then you're in trouble. BYU's got to be success. Let's say there's four pick'em games this year, which I would argue: Baylor at home, at Oregon, Arkansas, you know, Stanford, Notre Dame. I would say that's that's uh, you know Notre Dame should be favored in that one. If BYU wins that one, that's a nice one. But like uh, probably those one at Boise State, we yeah. could throw in that mix. Um, those are games. BYU's got to go at least two and two, three and one kind of deal in those four.
2: And there's games like Liberty. That's a tough road trip. You just right. got to go take care of business. Utah State right. and Wyoming coming in here in September. Those are tough G5 opponents. They're better than they used to be. Yeah. And so BYU has to be at their best, you know, every Saturday to roll through this kind of schedule.
1: And that's right. hard to do. It's hard to beat your best every Saturday. We assume certain things, right? We talk about the games that we think are the ones BYU might lose, but again, BYU lost to two G fives last year. Like we do expect them to beat Utah Tech on BYU TV. Live on BYU TV, November nineteenth. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we do expect. That. I feel like we have to say live on BYU TV every time. Yeah. We did not scout out the football team when we were down there. I just want to make sure that, <laughs> that that would be illegal.
2: They got some new logos and stuff. They're yeah, look good. Yes, up. they do. Yes, great. they
1: do. Ask Reddit uh, college football about what they think about it. Uh, Today's uh, Elite Voice of the Day is presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Steven on Twitter. In my opinion, we have to win all the games we should and must win two out of Oregon, Arkansas, Baylor, Notre Dame. That's the level ball we'll need to be playing to have success in the Big 12. I won't be sad about 8 or 9 wins, but I, it won't mean success to me. Okay, so Steven wants 10 plus. Right. Today's rise and shout-outs are presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Shout-out to the St. George homies. They showed up, and we had a great time together. It was awesome. Shout-out to Trent Pratt. Cougars won 11 or 13 heading into the tournament. He inherited
2: this team after a Santa Clara sweep a few weeks ago, and they have come together. They're playing good baseball. They win this tournament this week. They're going to the NCAA tournament.
1: Absolutely. Our thanks to today's guests, Nicole Auerbach and Heather Olmstead, Started and it's no time for Dave. I'm Jeremy. Shout-out to Apana Nakayama. We'll see you tomorrow for more BYUSN. Go Cougs!